Well, hello, fellow idiots. You are listening to the Idiots vs. Idiots program extravaganza. Are you calling all the listeners idiots? You said hello, idiots. Are you calling yes. everybody an idiot, Danny? Is that what you... Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> For legal reasons and also other reasons. Dunning-Kruger. Anyways, all the way around, yes. Yeah, uh, we are a business and marketplace news show and today we are brought to you by liquid death i'm sure you people do not know this but over here at idiots versus idiots we are death peddlers that is right we peddle the death of plastic pollution not only does liquid death uh murder your thirst 10 percent of every can sold goes to end plastic pollution and frankly i gotta tell you people it is a superior water delivery system Add a pair of koozies to your order and get them for free when you use codes idiot10 at liquiddeath.com. Now, big man, are you... this morning. It works. It works. Are you ready to talk about my... This is the most exciting slash horrifying thing. As someone who is big into distributed finance or defy, uh-huh. to see coin, but Coinbase going public. So let, let, me, let, me, let me craft an analogy here. Let me need to picture for our audience sure this is like when your favorite band that is not known by very few people it's a very small audience and they have a hit song that goes top 40 and now they're on the billboard now they're charting now everybody knows who they are and you go and you look at them and say but i was listening to them when there was 15 <laughs> of us and their stepmom's basement right i know right. this band you you just you're a fair weather fan. You don't even, yes. you know. You're a bandwagoner. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's, and all of my friends who are watching the various things going on in the distributed finance industry, whether that's cryptocurrencies or other things, and they're like, hey, what is doggy coin? What is that? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have to temper my responses to not be like, listen, you doofus. Hey, I've been Dogecoin telling you. hit 10 cents this week. No, Dogecoin hit 45 at some point. I think, yeah, 45, 38, yeah. But really, the milestone was 10. The big milestone to pass was 10, right? Anyway, go ahead. Um, And there's a meme out there somewhere of like, you know, where it's uh, the Grim Reaper and he's knocking on all the doors and he hit 5 cents, 10 cents, 25, and it's now 50 cents is the door. But it has 50 cents picture, the rap. That's funny. But what what is interesting, though, is uh, Coinbase Coinbase, um, went public. On its first day on the Nasdaq, and it closed at three hundred and twenty dollars a share. Why couldn't it have been four twenty? Because the entire industry is about internet memes. But it, <laughs> but the exchange closes on its first day of trading at. Are you ready? Are you ready? What's that? eighty five eighty five point eight billion dollars? Ninety billion dollars of it. Yeah. So okay. So Coinbase, right? It's actually Coinbase Global, right? Is the name right. of the 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 IPO here, or not IPO, but direct to market, the sh- right? Yeah, the share. Um, and uh, it's actually C O I N, so it actually has a Nasdaq symbol that yeah. r- represents its business, which I always enjoy, right? Uh, right. C O I N is the stock ticker, and uh, since Wednesday, it is, that is you know I love. There's two things that we've discussed. The one thing that I love a good scam. But man, do I love a good stock ticker. Like, oh, you know, a ticker is, that really fits. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no, no. I get it. It's going to be easy to find. But so since Wednesday, Coinbase, it's actually traded from between 310 to 430, 429 and change, right? So it's gone from, it's it's back and forth. It's currently at about 342 is where it's sitting as of today recording this episode. Right. But look, this was originally, and this is what I, you and I talk, I've talked decently about stock. And again, we're not right. stock trade. Well, we're stock traders, but we're, yeah. we're, we don't Listen. get advice. We're not responsible. You, we are idiots. Yeah, if you look to idiots versus idiots for stock trading advice, best of luck in your other endeavors, yeah, which may include jumping out of a plane without a parachute. <laughs> but so when you talk about when these things come to market, right, whether it's through IPO, whatever, typically the, these companies give them a, a valuation before they hit. They go, hey, right. we think the like, for example, Google way back in the day when it first hit the market, they said, hey, it's got we think it's going to hit for $90 a share. They always give an right. estimate. The estimate for this that it's never that it never was as low as was two fifty a share. That was the estimate that hey, this is going to hit the market at two fifty a share, and then the first day it's three twenty eight. Now it's gone from you know it's traded between three ten and four thirty yeah. since its existence. Now what I like about the way they did this, and this is kind of a third way. We've talked about SPACs, we talk about IPOs, and we've talked about direct offerings. Yeah. One of the, the unique things, and I say this about this because it's important if you're investing in a startup that hasn't gone public yet. Like, right. for example, Kevin Durant, big basketball player, you may not know him, also uh, went to, uh, he went played basketball here with the Longhorns at University of Texas, right? Okay. Third richest NBA player currently playing. Really? Great guy. Back in 2017, uh, was one of the investors into Coinbase by a lot. His investment has grown by 53 times. Okay, you do the math on that, right? Yeah, no, Kevin Durant was a former Timberwolf. I, as some of you may or may not know, originate from the awful state of Minnesota, currently on fire. <laughs> um, born and raised, so you can't really challenge my street credibility. Uh, I call myself proudly a Texan, but... Yes, as you should. You know... And uh, you know, I, I do. I proved the the idiom wrong. You can take the boy out of Minnesota and take the Minnesota out of the boy. <laughs> but you know, here's the other thing. Uh, Nas, the rapper Nas, who is you know very well respected as yeah. a rapper, who I never really cared for. No disrespect to the man, just didn't care for his music. Was too conscious. I don't like anything that's too conscious. I want my rap to be offensive and you know very. <laughs> yeah. We we know what I'm looking for in my hip hop music, right? Violence, right, right. old school hip hop, yeah, yeah, uh, very gratuitous references. Anyways, his investment they they suggest is going to be in the in the ballpark of hundred million dollars value. Well, they said he put in something like ten million or five million or something like that. Queensbridge, which is his uh, venture capital firm, uh, right, and it's going to be worth a hundred million dollars. And that was at the two hundred fifty dollar price point. Well, but see, and you talk about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant didn't pay $250 a share, right? And of course not. Now, they didn't disclose how much Kevin Durant and his guys, you know, put in the I put in the company in 2017. But you right. do the math. If he invested a million dollars, 
it would right. now be worth $53 million. Like that, that's, he, it's 53 times. So whatever he invested, which was probably millions, right? right? But here's what I was saying about going direct like this. One of the benefits that allows is company, people that have invested previously in the company before right. it went public, when you go IPO, there are rules about how insiders, meaning people that already own stock in the company, can offload how and shares. when they can offload their stock, right? And what has to happen. When you go direct to market like they did in this one, those previous investors can start trading their stock from day one. So Kevin Durant could have completely, not that he did, but he could have right. completely divested in the yeah. company from day he one. He taken his liquidated. 53x right yeah. in returns, return on investment, and walked away and invested in something else, right? Right, you, which is you can't always do that. Yeah, and listen, if I was Kevin Durant or Nas or any of these other, I would call them quote unquote celebrity investors. I would say uh, that that's something I would do because you know there you might be leaving some money on the table, but it's going to be chump change compared to. You put in a million, you got out 53, go do it again. Right. You're not going to well, do it again here. You've already maximized that, like, you know, we're talking about incremental gains. But this is, let me just make a side note because you brought it up. I find it fantastic that we have NBA players, rappers, uh, actors who are realizing that, you know, they, their, their careers, their, their first careers probably have a shelf life. Right. right, and their second careers as entrepreneurs that you can keep doing for the rest of your life. I was just recently watching an HBO series called Wall Street, like W A H L, like Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, talking about the different businesses this guy's is in that, that Mark Wahlberg is in. Mark He's Wahlberg, in, The Rock, these guys are in everything. Mark Wahlberg owns Mark Wahlberg Chevrolet. Okay, <laughs> that is. Hey, good for him. That is good for him. But I thought it was just interesting that we are seeing, uh, you know, and um, um, Jessica Alba, one of my faves from when I was a child, mm -hmm. she owns Honest Products. You know, they sell organic whatever. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow is another example, but she's awful. Everything she that sells is, not, is that awful. That is not uh, – Gwyneth Paltrow has been sued like five times for yeah. not natural products. But here, look, yeah. for those of you that don't know, and again, we, we want to make sure that, as Danny said, we, we're probably talking to a bunch of idiots just like we are. Coinbase is, a, is an app that allows you to purchase – cryptocurrency most 90% of their product is trades are bitcoin and ethereum right yeah. but they allow you to trade other things as well but that's what coinbase does right it was started right. in 2012 to actually with the with the point their mission was to allow your average person to access buying and selling and, and trading and, and uh, let me tell you as as someone who is and again you know uh, just to enlighten our audience here we are divided here, idiots versus idiots. One of us is a heavy uh, distributed finance, cryptocurrency, and that entire industry fan. That's me. I'm the red pill to the big man's blue pill, and that's fine. There's a reason we have our relationship and we build a <laughs> podcast together is because we approach everything in business and in life from completely different angles, but we're still pals. Absolutely. Um, this is a model not only for other entrepreneurs, but... For the country, like, hey, we are completely different human beings, but we still love each other and we're still pals. But he's also an idiot and up his. But also, <laughs> hey, I can root for you and disagree with you. 
I yes, can root exactly. for you. I am rooting for people that invested in cryptocurrency and the different ones. And then we talked about Dogecoin and, uh, and all these yeah, different things. Yeah, and I'm not saying I have or have not invested in them. I'm just a fan. That's all right. my my formal statement is I'm just a fan. But let me put it, let me also add this element. This offers people like the big man, the blue pilled amongst us who say this whole thing is fake, none of it's real, and that is totally fine. This is still America. He's still allowed to have the wrong opinion about practically everything. <laughs> but it allows people like him to go, I'm now not speculating on the cryptocurrencies. I'm speculating on the people who speculate on them, right? And so this I can, I can get behind. This I can, you see, I can, I, as a, as you said, a blue pill yeah. in the case of I, cryptocurrency is only a thing until it's not, and then everybody falls apart, right? So, but I'm just saying, again, that's my opinion, as you said, yeah. but in this case, this is a company I can get behind, and here's why, I'll tell you why, all right? I'm going to read through this, I know it's a bunch of numbers, but I, I want you to really understand, because this has to do with stock trading and companies and real companies, right? It says, last week announced in preliminary first quarter results, the revenue in the period surged ninefold from a year ago to 1.8 billion dollars meaning coinbase through transaction payments collected 1.8 billion dollars a net income climbed to 30 from 32 million dollars to 730 million dollars and the number of monthly transactions climbed from 2.8 million to 6.1 million these are numbers I can get behind. 2020 was their first, out of 2012 to 2020, 2020 was their first year of actual profit, right? Guess what? That's when you go public. You show your first year of profitability that you can go from not making money to making a lot of it. That's when you go, right? So they right. they followed the steps. When And look, this is a Warren Buffett thing too. You don't invest in companies. You invest in the people that run those companies, right? Totally, And in yes. this case, you look at that track record. It took them eight years, which again is not bad before you no. show a profit in today's world. They show a profit, not only a profit, but a big profit. And then right. they go public. This is smart business. This this is business I can get behind. Now, this had nothing to do with investing in cryptocurrency, right? It and that's in here. Go ahead. Right? No, no. Like, like, like the big man was saying, I. That is why I included this story in today's latest stories was because we have on this show two extremely different perspectives on the world and finance and distributed finance. But this is a place where I I cringe a little because I don't want the normies involved in my deal. Okay. <laughs> Okay, by but, normies is that a is that a poor people thing? Is that a rich no, people no, thing? No, no, is no, that a, what, what is just, the normies? No, that's just the blue pill. The people who are like normal finance is fine. The Federal Reserve can print a trillion dollars. It doesn't matter. Yeah, pew pew pew. Printers <laughs> on burr. I am not that person. But I know go you're ahead. not. I know you're not. But I'm just saying that I like I said I'm I am like the hipster who's like I was listening to My Chemical Romance. <laughs> Before all of you, and none of you like them as much as I do. Right, right, right. And like to see the average investor, and like I said, my friends call, hitting me up, saying, "What is this? What does it mean?" Uh, I one half of me goes, "Wow, this is the thing that I bet on." Right, sure. I bet on the mass adoption. So this is just in me. I'm emotionally broken because I'm a human being, going. <laughs> Oh, so now you see its value, right? <laughs> oh, now I've been talking yeah. about it for eight years or ten years. Yeah. Look, I this is, and but this that's is, fine. 
and, that's and what my I'm fear trying to... for you. That is my fear of cryptocurrency. We live in an influencer world now. Right. And this is what cryptocurrency is. It's, it is pushed by no, influencers okay, but, and it's right. pushed by um, being mainstream and all of these things. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's all fine and dandy as long as it's working. I just right. don't think, think things that are built on that model have well, a tendency to tendency last. To last. Right. right. And that, so, that is my thing. So I'm not going to argue with the big man on our show here, at least not on this one, because this is most of the time I will never shy away from arguing with the big man on any petty item, right? <laughs> it's cards are bad. No, there's no small. There is no argument too small to have with the big man, at least there's for not. me. However, this is one of those things where I just want to kick, kick, kick my feet up on the desk, and in ten years, when you know I'm just smoking a big old stogie with my cowboy boots up on the desk. Just counting out my cryptocurrency, like even though it's not physical. Again, and I, I just, can root for you and everybody exactly. else. I, I just read an article but, this week that if you had invested a thousand dollars into Dogecoin January first of two thousand twenty-one, yeah. you could buy a Tesla today. Right. Like yeah. That, and again, I'm rooting for you. If you, I like, know you are. Absolutely, make that money, but, but get out while you can. But here's the thing: when it when those profits keep coming in. Where the big man thinks they won't. That's the ultimate dunk, right? That's hey, going to be the ultimate dunk. Yeah, people have say, been saying that about Vegas for years. So you you keep on playing that roulette, brother. You keep <laughs> on playing that craps table. And All it's right. going to be old lucky numbers. You know? Yeah, Again. exactly. Well, speaking of the big man, I want to tell you guys about something. It's called Big Man Gear. Now, Big Man Gear is the big man's idea of a funny merch brand. It's corny dad jokes and memes on T-shirts. And they're for sale on Amazon Prime. Currently, uh, wait, can they still buy the unapproved Idiots versus Idiots logo tee? Uh, th they cannot because I oh. took it down because Danny has a problem with it. So no, hold on. I took that away. But wait, I did so those add... of you, wait, those of you who have purchased this now have a limited edition. <laughs> limited edition. That's yes. right. But I did add several new Idiots branded shirts this week. Several Great. I'm very proud of. I enjoy it a lot. So go check them out. Buy a couple of those. You'll enjoy them. You can go to BigManGear.com because who doesn't need an extra T-shirt to tell everyone how they feel about their personal business and marketplace news source? I stole the big man's ad read because I forgot that he was supposed to read it. But I, don't I, I didn't have it up anyway. So Okay, you know. well, here we go. Here's this next story. I found this one very interesting, as you know. On this very channel, I do a car podcast called Carspiracy. That's right. Um, we are we have episode five coming out very soon, but this is a very interesting story. Uh, you know, this podcast was started at the tail end of the middle <laughs> of the Dosaki's Pandy, uh, and uh, this is wild because this applies to me. I'm making a trip somewhere. I made the exact same trip last year, and I paid $200 for four days to rent a full-size SUV. And that's right. I'm just one person, and I bought, a, I rented a Tahoe. Yep. Uh, and um, because that's what, uh, you know, I'm not sitting that close to a steering wheel in a Honda Accord. But <laughs> I, what I find crazy is now I'm making the exact same trip, and to get just a basic car, yeah, it was 600 bucks. Uh, currently $300 a day for a Ford Focus in Vegas. Just That's to give nuts. you an idea, and we're talking right. about Vegas here, right? Right. 
We're talking so about here's Vegas. What People fly into Vegas. They know they're flying into Vegas. They know, right? Um, so and, go ahead. So here's what happened. Like I said, this show was started at the end of the middle of the Dosaki's Pandy in 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started it not really knowing what the future was. And similarly, rental car companies did not know what the future held. So last year, when their you know traveling was effectively shuttered, no one was renting a car. Nobody they was had flying, no- which is where most of their car rentals come from, right? right? People going out of town, that kind of stuff. The, the the three of the largest rental car companies, which there's basically only three, even those several brands. There's right. effectively just Enterprise, which is also National and Alamo. There's yep. Hertz, which went bankrupt last year. And then there's... Which is going to uh, come out the other end. There was looking at points where it wasn't, but yep. now it looks like it is. It got a big, a big influx of investor cash and stuff like that. And it looks like it's actually going to make it out of bankruptcy the other end, which would still maintain their top three, right? Yeah. One of the top three. And then um, the next one is Avis Budget, which is right. Avis and Budget are two different companies, but they're one company. Yep. So here's what happened. They collectively sold in 2020 450,000 vehicles out of their fleets. And what's now happened is as more people are getting the poke, can't say the word here, I don't think. So we, we just try to avoid saying words that get us flagged. So as more people mm-hmm. are getting the poke, as more people are the feeling comfortable. Ouchie. There you go. <laughs> the fouchy, I don't even ouchie. know if we could... Look, and here's here's what I think is sometimes in even big business, certain things are opportunistic, not on purpose, just, again, the randomness of the world. But during, as you say, the uh, Dos Equis Pandy of last year, there also happened to be a used car shortage in the market. So used There still cars, is. There still, there still is. is. So during this time of used car sales prices going skyrocketing, they were able to sell off their used car fleet at a premium, which yep. has essentially saved all three of their businesses. Right. But then again, you turn around and they have been selling off their fleet for effectively a year. And now they're 500 million cars short of where they they should have been anyway, right? Before pre all this stuff they were right. already as they say in the car industry running lean i actually right. know several inner cars um inner car enterprise car rental managers branch managers right. regional managers and they are very good and pre as you said dose case pre dose case they were running lean meaning right. branch managers are expected to have empty lots anyway to be renting right. out more cars than they have already right and they were doing that pre Right, Dos Equis. Yes. So you eliminate 500 million cars, and now you're talking about... Are you, do you mean 500,000 to a million? Sorry, I don't think 500,000 cars. I apologize. 500,000 yeah. cars. A half a million is what I was saying. Yes. A yeah. half a million okay. cars from your fleet. Yeah. And now everything, and guess, since the Fauci-Auchi and more people, right? One in four people have now had yeah. the Fauci-Auchi yeah. and all that stuff. You're talking about people that have been hooked up in their houses for a year hooked are up like, in their house. let me out. Yes. Let me out now. So there is no ramp up. And guess what? By the way, because of all the things that have happened and the slowdown in manufacturing and the chip yep. right shortage chip and all shortages. that stuff, the cars aren't there for them to turn around and buy either. That's right. So there's a shortage across the board of both used cars and new cars mm-hmm. due to manufacturing shortages. And a lot of people, um, you know, there's a few podcasts that I listen to 
Um, one of them is called the Fifth Column, and they talk about how well New Yorkers previously never really had cars. Uh, a lot of people, if you live in the city, why would you have a car? But a lot of people went out and bought cars because they're like, I don't want to sit. The, I don't want to sit on the subway with a bunch of whatever. Or they're right. trying to leave the city, and it's complicated to leave without a car. So a lot of people went out and bought cars who traditionally maybe didn't have cars. And uh, I know the used market is squeezed. I know a couple of people in the used car market who, on a weekly basis, call each other to go, can you believe somebody paid $8,000 for a 200,000-mile Suburban, knowing that they're going to sell it for 10000 Absolutely. That there's, that there's somebody out there paying $10,000 for that. I personally know this because in the middle of last year, I decided to sell my truck thinking, I can't believe somebody's willing to pay me this much money, figuring I'd turn around and buy something else. But I can't. There's nothing out there to buy. So I thought this was odd because it's a confluence of events where they made a chunk of money up front selling their fleet mm -hmm. at a time when it was probably smart for them to sell their fleet. But unforeseeable um, hiccups in our supply chain and the slowdown of our chip manufacturing because the entirety of silicon chip manufacturing, like the majority of it, takes place in Asia. Correct. Asia somewhere, and, right? Yeah. Yeah, Taiwan, sometimes Taiwan, sometimes China, some of it in Japan, but not really. Right. So their slowdowns and of course they you know, they have priorities. Exporting chip is probably not going to be one of their priorities. So no. we are we are in a situation where Ford has said we are shutting down plants for the summer. Because Absolutely. we can't we just don't have like we can't have people out there's nothing to manufacture. Every right. manufacturer has slowed production for the summer, right? Yeah, and uh, Nissan is shutting down all of their Japanese manufacturing for the summer. And and look, here so what that has turned around for the automotive industry, well, in this case the rental industry, it's co it's created good old-fashioned supply and demand, right? Right. I get somebody to pay, I can now pay somebody $300. I can get somebody instead of $59 a day, right? right. Which is probably a focus right back at uh, yeah. 18 months ago, $59 a day all day long is now $300 a day. And they're because of the way they run their business, you show up and there's several articles. When I started reading through this and kind of going through auxiliary articles, there's, there's, um, articles being written of customer service. Obviously, their customer service sav surveys are in the tank because right. people are showing up that have reservations that don't have a car. There's a couple of review articles that said, hey, I had to fly into a different airport because they didn't have the car. They didn't have a car for me to leave the airport, right? There was w several of them that were like, I was flying into Fort Lauderdale, Florida, couldn't get a car there to be able to leave the airport because I'm not going there to visit family. I'm going there for right. something else, right? Vacation or whatever, or whatever and, yeah. you know, and there's just they're they're not going to be able to leave. And then you add on top of that, and this didn't make sense until I read it. Um, a couple of these different things they were saying why people are renting cars that they didn't used to. People are opting to rent a car instead of rideshare because right. again health concerns. People are still renting cars for road trips instead of flying. Right, the the road trip is back where we all were flying everywhere. The road trip is back, and if you're taking a road trip, most people don't take their own cars anymore. No, not right? anymore because everyone's cars junk now. Well, exactly. So, you, well, or you or you just don't want to put those miles on your car, right? If you're if you're yeah. like me and you keep your cars and trucks and everything like that forever, why put a thousand miles if you're going on a road trip, you know, on your car when it was effectively now not in today's world, not right now, paying three hundred dollars yeah. a day, and that's for a Focus. Imagine what they're paying in Vegas right now for that SUV. For yeah, a no, it's it's a thousand. I mean. 
it's a few hundred bucks a day for because I always even if I'm traveling by myself, I don't like small vehicles. I don't either. I do the so, national thing where you pick your car. Yeah, so I do the same. I used to do the same thing, but it blew my mind that I couldn't find anything. So I, I just thought this was interesting because this is one of those things that we don't, we're not grasping on a day-to-day basis of the supply chain hiccups, even though they were minimal. They were expected to be much larger. But the supply chain hiccups were so, uh, and we like we were expecting. You couldn't foresee them. You couldn't. No. They were unforeseeable, right? And then that the and guess what? They didn't see it either. I mean, they. I guarantee you, Avis, Hertz, right, uh, Enterprise. They all thought, hey, let's sell off these used cars. We're getting a premium for it anyway. We've got to do it to stay afloat. And on yep. the other side of this, we'll, we'll just buy, buy back everything we need, right? right? And then people will pay a premium to drive a brand new car. Yada yada. So here's where, for you, the audience, there might be an opportunity. There are two apps out there. One called the Veil from Allstate, and there's another one called Turo. You can go rent out your own car. And people are Absolutely. so desperate. People are so desperate for rental cars that they are. It's it's effectively Airbnb for cars, right? Right. Yeah, I've people actually are, saw for the first time in a couple of years the uh, actual commercial. I think it was for Toro on TV yep. because yeah. it has gotten to that point where they and, see an opportunity, right? Listen, the individual rental car market, right? And this and this might be a situation where I. This is my. I'm making a prediction here. I think enough people will get pushed into using Turo that travel that they'll just keep using Turo, right? That's what they hope, right? Again, we talk about stocks and investments and because that's part of entrepreneurship. I think whether it's through your big companies like we talked about the big three or apps like that, I think there's some money to be made from an investment standpoint on these. Yes. Part of what's causing this problem with these are the three biggest ones. These three big ones push most of your – you used to be able to go rent a car from Bob's Rental Car or this mom and pop shop. They effectively price pointed like Walmart or anything else. They pushed all those smaller companies out of the business and now there's no alternative. Right. So because well, they're suffering, the whole market's suffering, and it's everywhere, folks. It's Houston, it's Kansas City, it's yep. Memphis, small markets, big markets. It doesn't, doesn't matter, matter where you are. So I know someone, I have a friend of mine who ended up owning, he was doing one of those things. He's selling a car, but he ended up getting a car from someone in his family. So he ended up getting his new car before the other car was sold. He put that sucker up on Turo's, a Fiat 500. And he had that thing out forever. And then he still sold it. But the point was, um, he got that thing out on Turo. People were renting it. Absolutely. So, if you, so listen, if you're someone who has, a, has an inside in to getting cars cheap, I'm one of those people. I'm, I have ways of, and I got guys in the industry, you know, you buy something with a couple of dings and dents, you pop them, you get them cleaned up. There's so many different ways to make money. But the reason I included this story was not just because of the long-term unforeseeable effects of the supply chain slowdown and i wanted our audience to consider you know where are the parts of that where they can profit but also to point out to people hey you might be in a situation where if you're in a smaller market where you know these the big three rental car companies are less concerned about fulfilling orders in your place you might become the only guy with a camry if you got a 2015 camry that you don't drive or whatever, right? Because uh, a lot Toro's, of people now. 
these apps should be going out there making partnerships with some of these smaller mom and pop used car companies, right? That have a fleet sitting there that again, yeah. it could change every week, right? I'm going to sell it regardless. And, and again, nobody's going to put enough miles on it and especially in certain places to really affect the, the overall value of it and stuff like that. Well, then, I mean, there, the nice, the nice thing about Turo is you can put mileage caps and mileage overage charges into your fee Sure. And there are services like we have in Austin. There's a company that will manage for you. So this is actually, this sparked a, a thought process in my head. There's a couple of cars out there that I want to drive that I'd like to have, but I'm not going to use them every day. There's no reason for me to buy them, right? right? But I'm a car guy. So I sat down and I started doing the math and I looked at rates on Turo and other places and realized, hey, I can buy these cars and put them on Turo. And based on current numbers... Make money. Well, you know? and if you wanted to, uh, again, under it, you wanted to take the opportunity to undercut, right, all these big-name agencies that would normally undercut you. Which right you now, can now 20%. actually do. Right. Yeah. yeah, let's just say you're taking 25, 20%. You own a Ford Focus in Vegas. You could rent it out for $240 a day, and that's 20% less than what they're going to rent it out yeah. at, at everybody else. And and so that would be enough for me to use someone else's car instead of Enterprise or whatever else, right? That 20%. Right. And $240 a day, it doesn't take long to start doing that math, right, on a monthly right. basis. Half of the month, and you're at, you know what I mean, 3200 bucks, right? Yeah, and listen, if you're the kind of person who works from home, who gets their groceries delivered... Maybe there's a few days a week you don't need the car, and those are the days a week that you have it out on Turo, and right. that works for you. So, But hey, folks, I did want to tell you about something else. I wanted to tell you about this exclusive club that you can join today. It's called Up Yours Club. You can go to upyoursclub.com right now. Any of you, it's free to join, and all you have to do is give us an email address, but also you have the opportunity to give us a one-time or ongoing non-tax deductible donation. Now, you have to talk to your tax professional to determine <laughs> if it is non-tax deductible or not. I'm not a tax professional, and I'm not offering tax advice. You definitely need to buy Danny a cup of coffee, okay? He, he That's so just, true. You really do. I mean, he needs your support, um, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, do that, definitely. And up yours, club. Yes. Com. Listen, up yours club.com yeah so uh this next story is interesting because it applies to every human being that exists on the face of the planet but <laughs> specifically to the big man because he is yeah. can i say the words he is you a absolutely can say the words they're, they're behind me and around me and everywhere else <laughs> you you paid for it so uh the big man is a he is the big man in real estate actually um, in, that was the origin of the big man branding. Was the big yeah. man in real estate, and and yes, uh, so I own uh, parts of several real estate companies now. So this is obviously dear uh, to my heart, and I got to tell you, it is both wonderful. This story is both wonderful and infuriating, all at the same time. Because I, being the big man in real estate, have actually been talking about this for years pre Dosakis Pandy. Right. And right. then now it's just as many things that we've talked about on this podcast accelerated the problem. Right. Right. It, it's accelerated the problem. And that problem we're talking about is, according to the, the article and several of them Danny sent me here, it says the U.S. market needs 
to add 4 million single-family homes just to catch up to current demand, right? Wild. That is insane. So both of us are in the Austin market. Um, I'm actually working on a real estate license right now. Um, and uh, what's interesting is our market in Austin is wild. Oh, it, it is it's, it's it is gratuitous. Awful. It's, it's, it's offensive. Awful. I'm offended. It's great to make money, but it is offensive. We have people paying at any, at any given weekend, no matter the price range. I don't care. You can't find a house for $200,000. Whether it's $200,000 or $2 million, any given weekend, a decent house, meaning decent, I can, even if I need Living a little it. bit of work, but I, you know it's livable, can go from 10 to 30% above market value. Right. On any given weekend, and people are paying that above because banks don't give you above market value, folks. Right. Banks don't give it to you. Now, let's talk about that. For if 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 a if let's just say I can prove a home is worth three hundred thousand dollars and it goes for four hundred thousand dollars, a bank isn't going to give you four hundred thousand dollars. They're not going to give That's you three sixty. Right. They're not going to give you three fifty. They're going to give you whatever you know what I mean. Whatever your loan you're using, anywhere from three and a half to five, you know twenty percent down. They're right. going to give you that portion, and people are paying that extra out of pocket. They're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to get into homes in the Austin market, and they're having to do that because they're bidding against anywhere from ten. I'm getting ten to thirty offers in three days. On anywhere, again, like I said, 10 to 30 to 35% above what I can prove a home is worth because that's how short, how low the inventory is, right? And then you add on top of that that since, and this is where when we get into economics and stuff like that, people don't always understand how things that happen affect us 10, 20 years down uh, down the line. Right. The housing crisis in 2009-2010 led to a bunch of your medium and small builders going bankrupt, getting out of the business entirely. They had to give up on homes that weren't finished because they couldn't afford to finish them. Nobody was buying them. There were failed neighborhoods that didn't get completed and whatever. And on the other side of that, who benefited? The medium to the high medium to big builders. The The small medium builders didn't come back. Right. A lot of them. And then your medium high to big builders, your DR Hortons and stuff like that, yeah. have maintained their building at the edge. Right? right. They weren't they they have not in the last decade been willing to risk all in. I'm gonna build these homes as fast as I can and sell them right. as fast. They've maintained that. Nope, we're selling them here. Nope, we're fine. We're fine. Yeah. All right, we're gonna set that steady increase. And then you have Dosaki's Pandy walk in. Nobody yeah. wants to sell their home. And then the not the only industry. does nobody want to sell their home, the supply chain shortages on lumber, on all the I, things that it everything, takes to lumber, build a house, shingles, everything, every product. And this is again I, one of the big things. I've had this conversation with real estate professionals and real estate companies, people that I know, owners, and everything from the top down for the last twelve months. A, well, previous to that, but the, on this subject, because we knew it was going to happen, we yeah. knew the production of last year when everything hit, the right. world stopped. Not just the U.S. We are very yeah. focused. We go, okay, well, wait a minute. There was still lumber on the shelves at Home Depot. There was still, you know what I mean? Right, everything right, right. we needed to build a house, even in August, right, and September or whatever. They didn't realize that, guess what? 
that lumber doesn't stay at Home Depot. That's not where it's no. created, right? No, no, no. It's created yeah. cutting down trees and and, and in South Brazil America, somewhere. Yeah, right? exactly. Whatever. Yeah. And and when that stopped too for months, right. and yeah. then all of a sudden you go through the people don't understand that, especially in America, and we're we're lucky to live in a place where it seems like the rest of the world supplies us products to buy and yeah. what that leads to is mountains we have warehouses full of things like lumber and food and water and all these things so that when you go to HEB when you go to Home Depot it's sitting there Costco. waiting on you yeah. the problem is is we, we, it took us months because there are so many warehouses it took us months to go through that stuff warehouses kept sending it to the stores yeah and that production lag then ended up to a warehouse lack of inventory that right. now has hit our shelves lack of inventory. Yeah, and you know, I think there's another angle to this that is people who lived in a city before uh, are now rethinking, hey, I don't maybe want to live in such close, close proximity to people. Absolutely. Um, they're in some regions like my former hometown. People, you know, don't want to be downtown for various reasons now because there's unrest or civil whatever. Um, and uh, that has also pushed people into the suburbs. And then um, I know people that are like, I, why am I living in this particular state where I'm married to? I was married to a job where they said, we're going to you're going to go work from home. And a lot of people have said, I'm not going back to my office. A lot of businesses have said that. And so you I have know, this I, upper middle class group of people that yeah. made money last year because they didn't lose their jobs. They just worked right. from home, right? right? So they made the same amount of money or they got a raise. And then you take the investors and investors made a crap ton of money last year. So you take your mi upper middle class to and above, right? Your right. top 20% of Americans, they made crap tons of money last year. And like you said, realize that I can now make that money from anywhere and they so they moved. They want and well, and they needed to. If I'm working from home, my wife. If my wife and I are both working from home, we yeah. need more than one office. We yeah, need more than one space. Right. And so, you know, we talked last in our last episode about Joe Rogan building a little enclave of comedians. There are one group of people who went, "Hey, wait a minute! I'm touring nationally. I'm doing a podcast. I don't have to be in Los Angeles." Nope. Right, and a lot of people in Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, they said, "Hey, Austin's a great place to move." So they're all making the move, and like you said, they're coming in 30, 35 percent above ticket, which is the appraisal value. They're coming in 35 percent above ticket because they're offloading a two, three, four million dollar house and buying a six hundred or seven or eight hundred thousand dollar house that is bigger than what they're selling and going, mm -hmm. I had so much equity in that house because I bought it five years ago and people in downtown Los Angeles don't want, or wherever the condos are in downtown Los right. Angeles or New York are going, ah, we don't want to, you know, we're, you know, if you're the finance industry in New York, you kind of have to stick around. Yeah. So you want to, you're going to move to Connecticut, but then your condo's going up for sale or whatever in New York. There's so much activity of people moving out. This is probably one of the first times where I believe in uh, you know probably 50 years where the flow of people went instead of going from the suburbs to the city, which is like my generation of people were like you know the the elder millennials were like, why would I live in the suburbs? I want to go live in the city. That's where right. the action is. Until you're in the city and you're in a bodega downtown and somebody sneezes on you and then you got you can't backhand them because Absolutely. you're downtown. 
Then you go, I want to go live in the suburbs where I have a Walgreens and everyone maintains their distance. Right. And that's, that is uh, what I think has driven a lot of this. And um, I think it's like, here's the other thing. If you're someone who is saying, I can go build a bus and I can go live in a school bus for a year and drive around the country, sell your house and do it. I'm now so, well, is the time. It- Again, look, so here, again, I, I look at things on not only a now level, but the future level. And the problem that this has created, and we had this problem here in Austin even before that, because houses have been going up in value, low inventory for a while, even before this. This has, again, made it a thousand times worse. But what it does is it affects your first-time homebuyer. There is no such thing in the Central Texas market, and a lot of your big markets, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, uh, Flor- several cities in Florida and California, right, yeah. places that people are moving, um, that your first-time home buyer has now been out of the market for a while. There is no such thing as a first-time home. When I yeah. bought my very, very first home that I bought myself, I took one over from a friend, but, but the one that my wife and I bought a month before we were married, Right in 2002, I bought for $120,000 for zero down, right? And whatever. Still own that house, by the way. Right. It's not worth $120,000. It's worth $150,000. There you go. God bless. But but my point is, is that doesn't exist anymore. Your first time home buyer home in the Central Texas market, even before this, was $250,000, right? So. yeah, so no, to continue. get in with your first time home buyer three and a half, five percent down, right? You had to have, do the math, you had to have twenty grand in the bank, right? What twenty five year old has twenty grand in the bank when your average well, American has a thousand dollars in the bank? Well, a lot of twenty five year olds have twenty five thousand dollars in student loan debt. Well, and and then you so so and here's why I say the future, right? Because yeah. if I don't buy that first time home. Right when you I'm don't in my get into that second, yeah, you don't get into that third. second home when you're in your 30s, and right. you don't build that wealth. You realize that Generation X, my generation, right? Yeah, that's where they gained their wealth. They yeah, bought homes, homes when they were young, 25, yeah, and then they got that equity when they were in their 30s, and now that they're hitting their 40s, they got that second equity from that second yeah. investment. Now, again, I'm not saying that that should be your biggest investment, but that's what it was. For the right. baby boomers, the last end of the baby boomers, and the Generation Xers, that's how they gain their wealth. Millennials and Gen Z, that's not Man. an option. So here's what I, of course, as someone who is in on the millennial, um, I've never owned a home. And I will put it this way. I am, in large contrast to the big man, someone who says home buying is not the um, the landmark. Not landmark. What's the word I'm looking for? But whatever it is. It is not that mile marker in life it's that not it used an to asset. be. We've had that conversation. Right. It's not an asset. So People talk, I, call it an asset, yeah. but it is a way to build wealth. It is, and I don't, de- and I don't deny that. But I do think that for a lot of people my age that are deeply in student loan debt, I, I listen. I don't think that that twenty or thirty thousand dollars that you scrimp and sc- save to get to put a down payment down on a house. I do believe this is my personal opinion. So if you take my advice and it doesn't, if you take this. If you take this non-advice as advice, you're at do so at your own risk. This is simply my personal belief. Uh, this is a program called Idiots versus Idiots. If you take yeah. us seriously, up yours. You deserve right. whatever you get. Club.com. I think that twenty or thirty thousand dollars could be better implemented 
um, you know, putting it towards some sort of income, income producing side hustle, whether that's a website doing affiliate marketing or whatever, whether that's, uh, you know, a drop shipping store, whatever, whether that's making a small investment into cryptocurrencies. Again, if you take this as advice, you're an idiot. But the reason I say that is you're going to bet on making a asymmetrical investment. Sure. And that's where I think a lot of millennials, you need to, because we need to make riskier and riskier bets in order to compensate for the poor advice that my generation received, advice I never took. But I also had parents that were, you know, helped out with getting me through college without any student right. loan debt. But I also picked the exact cheapest colleges to go to. Well, but that, I but that specifically is a situation went, you had. Right, yeah. that's a situation you had, and good for you. But right. that's not ever like you said. There that's are not a lot everybody. of millennials out there with twenty, thirty, fifty. Hey, I know a millennial that's got two hundred thousand dollars in student debt. Now she's a debt. She's a lawyer. But again, guess what? She doesn't own a house either. Right now, yeah. And here's can, my point: is is I'm not. Again, I am an advocate of real estate being part of your of course, of course portfolio. You are. But and and here's so what happens when you don't buy that house and you should be doing those hot side hustles and stuff as well, that building that house and paying yourself each month that mortgage, you're doing right. both. But yeah. you, millennials and Generation Z, as it sits right now, may not get to benefit for that for an extra decade. And that extra decade is a lot of money, a lot of wealth that goes right. untapped. So what I'm saying to my fellow millennials, and perhaps maybe this is a time for you to keep your opinion to yourself, you old, vicious, I'm kidding. Um, I'm just saying that I see what you're saying, and I agree with you, and I think that it is more a blessing than a curse if your perspective is the red-pilled one, which goes that this, this opens me up to so many more opportunities if I lived in Chicago, or if I lived in New York, or if I lived in Los Angeles, or if I lived in Austin and somebody in Florida called me up and said, hey, you know, there's an opportunity for you to make a million dollars a year here, but I'm tied to a house and I'm stuck. Well, I guess you're not really stuck in Austin because you can sell your house for a huge profit. <laughs> but what I'm saying is if you're, you know, the house, owning a home somewhat ties you down to a place. And insofar as you can be mobile, I have friends who up until Dos Equis Pandy did not live in a place. Okay? Uh, no, uh, they just hopped from country to country on 90-day visas, and they lived in Vietnam, and they were in some other... They were in, That's just uh, not most people. That's 1% of 1%. Of the fact is, that is true. most that people is true. need to have a job that is geographically relevant. They have to have a place to live. They have to have a whatever. And again, and, and I don't... Again, these are all situational. There are definitely yeah. situations where renting is the way to but, go, and there are definitely situations where buying is the way to go. But here's where I disagree with you in that not owning your home, statistically speaking... 50 years, the last 50 yeah. years, if you didn't own your home versus the same age group that did own their home, right? where are these two people at? And it's not yeah, the ones well that was. didn't. So you You're take correct. the next 50 years, and again, statistics being statistics. Now, again, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, and I don't want people yeah. listening to this going, hey, no, and, but here's know, the point, side though. hustles are, everyone no. should have a side hustle whether you buy a yeah. home or not. Everybody right. should be investing whether you own a home or not. Right. Everybody should be doing all the things Danny's talking about, and there's definitely, and I have this conversation with every not only client of mine, every realtor, every business right. owner I talk to, is there's a time and place for everything. You have to yes. look at your scenario and go, is it the and, right time for me right. to buy? And, 
Right. And all I'm saying is I want to be an advocate for the don't buy rent movement, which is go invest your money into other things because a single family home, which I love a single family home. At the core of my being, I am a kid who was raised in the suburbs of St. Paul who loves the suburbs. I might be the only person who's like, why would I live in a city when I can go live in an apartment in the suburbs and drive instead of walk, drive to all these places. But what I just want, I want to be an advocate for my ideas. That's the whole point of having a podcast, which is. <laughs> well, it hard, it's hard when your ideas suck. No, yeah, I'm, well. I'm saying that. Look, again. Well, up yours, I not, dude. Up yours. If it works out for you, here, here's the yeah. deal. And we always can't know how it works out for us. Because if, let's take that scenario. If you are, let's say, a 30-year-old person that, yeah. okay, I've got $25,000 in student loan debt. I don't own a home, but I've got an extra ten or fifteen k over here that I was thinking right. about buying a home. But I'm not sure if that's the right thing. You could absolutely... In this scenario, now, what if scenario, this is idiots yeah. versus idiots, you're an idiot, right? And yeah. you take that $15,000 and you invested that January 1st into Dogecoin, yeah. and now that $15,000 is $400,000, right. and with that amount of money, you could just buy you a home outright or buy whatever you needed, or it turned into a million dollars, then that worked for you. The problem right. is, is no one has a crystal ball so to here's know what whether that works for, there, works right. for you so, or someone so, else. Right, so here's what I'm saying. There is no one-size-fits-all response, like answer to any question in life. There is no one-size-fits-all. Real estate has been pretty consistent, though. That's I true. Mean, seriously. I, I'm an advocate of real estate investing. I'm not saying I'm not. But what I'm saying is approaching, uh, you know, if you're, if you're in my uh, generation, if you're a millennial, mm -hmm. we received poor advice about taking out student loans. And so... What I'm saying is perhaps have a cynical, but let's not, not say cynical. Cynical is not a fair thing to say. I never want to be cynical or negative. Have a skeptical eye, skeptical, <laughs> skeptical perspective on buying a, buying a home as thinking this is how to build wealth. But there are so many other avenues that were not available to Gen Xers because right. Gen Xers went and bought books at a bookstore, and now some stranger comes to my house and delivers all of my groceries and all of my stuff. So there's so many other opportunities out there, and I just want to be an advocate of saying, and because this is what I'm doing, right? There is more than one way, and I, I will say That's that about all. almost anything, right? And let me just and say this also. Let me just, let me just close with this one statement, and I, maybe the big man has a response here. But the person who benefits the most from your investment in a, in a single-family home is the bank that gives you the loan. That's I, that's an asset to the bank, but maybe not to you. I'm not opposed to it. I agree you wanna... that it's not an asset. I've already okay. said that. It, by know, definition, just... it does not meet Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. It does not meet the definition of an asset. It's not Agreed. It, Agreed. It, on a monthly basis. It is does yes. not generate you income. But over it time, it money. builds wealth for you. I get what you're saying. I'm simply saying that I'm just being an advocate for what I believe, which is uh, – College isn't for everyone. It's probably for the inverse amount of people who go to college. So I agree with you there. Uh, right. So I think that, you know, I think instead of, I think maybe 10 or 15% of the people who are going to college belong there. I think the other percentage of people who are just, they're just young people trying to figure out life and they took on the dumbest way to figure out life, the most expensive way to figure out. And you're not going to figure it out. That's what and I if, guarantee you. And if you're, you. if you're, if you are fall into that, 
I would say anybody at any age, but if you fall in yeah. that 20 to 35 age right now and you're listening to this show, go type in Gary V into TikTok, into Instagram, into anything else, and listen to his thing because he's preaching exactly what Danny's saying, yeah. which is so, you're spending time in college trying to figure out something that that's not what the, the place to do it in, yes. right? And it's costing and I, you and, money. And I believe similarly for a lot of people – they create this unrealistic expectation of what buying their first home is going to be. Oh, and it yeah. doesn't turn out to be that. <clears throat> and for a lot of reasons, you don't know if the market can go up, can go down. You don't have flexibility. And so I'm just saying, I'm, a, I'm being an advocate for what I believe, which is in college, similarly, buying a home, ain't the investment people say it is. Investigate with something else that might work for you. I will never be one of those people who lives in a school bus. So I think you, that's weird. Right. But you will then, in turn, millennials, Generation yes. Z, will rent those places that you live in, however nice or not nice they are, from Generation X and baby boomers. You right. will rent them from well, us. No, and no, no. We no. Let me explain something. Money. Somebody's Let me explain making something. money regardless. Let me explain something. Maybe you take your whatever fifteen or twenty or $30,000 that you finally saved up, and you say, hey... I can go buy a house that will rent out in a college town or it's going to whatever. I'm going to go buy a house in some other state and I'm going to go put uh, a management company in charge of it um, because the, um, the cost of ownership is lower in Memphis, Tennessee, let's say. Right. right? So you go buy a house near the uh, Memphis, uh, University of Memphis campus. Maybe that's a better investment for you than buying a house where you live in Austin, Texas. I'm just saying maybe you use that money to buy an investment property so you're still buying a single-family home. You're still getting the benefits of it. But you rent where you live, and you buy where you can rent out. That's all I'm saying. That's Absolutely. what I was trying to drive at. But, you know, the big man can't help himself from interjecting every four <laughs> seconds. One of us is a successful businessman, and the other one's jealous. Who's who is up to yes. you. But right. that's all I'm saying, okay? You know, so look, and all you have to do if you are considering buying real estate, selling real estate, want to take advantage of it, uh, find your local big man team at gmail.com. You can email that. One of my people, wherever you are all across the country, we're actually in uh, six different countries now. Um, you can abs will absolutely turn around and send you uh, my local people to help you and make sure that you are taken care of. And here's my deal, and I tell every single person I work with in all these cities across the United States, Canada, and all these different places where at, I tell them the same expectation. We are up front with people. If I sit down with you, if one of my people sit down with you, and it's not the right time for you to buy or sell, we will tell you it's not yeah. the right time for you to buy or sell. I have never in my decade now of real estate and training other realtors and stuff like that, never had a single person come back and tell me that it wasn't, that either way I told them wasn't the right way for a situation that worked out for right. them. Okay, so it's it's not about making money. It's about putting people in the right situations because then you turn around and you build wealth. I've helped people with bad credit turn into renters, renters into homeowners, and homeowners into investors. That's our goal every single time. Now, speaking of side hustles, speaking of making extra money, I want to tell you about a website called Rise Relentless. I own the website. It's R-I-S-E-L-E-N-T-L-E-S-S. -S. Rise Relentless, we sell... Fun coffee mugs for entrepreneurs, side hustlers, and everyone that dares to dream. The big man is showing off his one-of-one one custom too-big-to-fail 
uh, Idiots versus Idiots mug. It's got our mugs on the mug. Uh, that one is not for sale yet, but might be coming out soon. We're working on a... <laughs> hey, again, for the right price, I'll make it one of two. I don't yeah, mind sharing. Go. That's all I'm there saying. There you go. But uh, this last story uh, freaks me out. And, uh, you know, I'm not a Luddite. <laughs> I'm a technology guy, okay? I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm an early adopter of technology. I was one of the few people when I was 16. I was actually I started college when I was 16. And uh, I was one of the few people that carried a smartphone. And my friends really? are like, dude, because like everyone, you know, I just started buying those Motorola razors. Right. Like, dude, it's so, and those are the people who also bought iPhones later and who also mocked people who didn't buy iPhones. And so, right. Uh, but all of those people have electric cars, so they're going to have to charge a car overnight to come over and, you know, punch me in the face if they got something to say. <laughs> <clears throat> and I can just they drive live up. within 250 miles. That's right, what I'm yeah, saying. But uh, Domino's, a pizza chain, has started to deliver pizzas with uh, self-driving cars. So, uh, no thanks. I don't want to live in this future. a self-driving car, a self-driving robot, okay? Yeah. I don't know if you looked up what this looks like, but it yeah. looks like a mini minivan, right? Like, yeah. it's specifically made to deliver groceries. To de- Apparently, I learned today, did not know this. Uh, and this is all happening right now. It's all happening in Houston. They're also in Phoenix, right. but the big thing is in Houston. They've already been doing this for C- delivering for CVS, right? right? And it's just, it's literally, folks, it's a mini, looks like a mini minivan. Look it up. It's called the uh, Neuro. Neuro, what? Neuro something. Yeah, Neuro it's a Neuro. R2. Yeah, something like that. Neuro R2, and it looks like a mini minivan with a couple of, like, uh, you know, trunk hoods on it, right? Where yeah, you can no, open it, it up. It, there'll be a picture of it in the description of this uh, of this episode. And right now, if you do live in Houston and you're listening to this show, you have to call the, uh, which branch is it? The Woodland Heights location for Domino's. And you have to say, hey, I want, you have to select the option of I want oh, the really? robot to drop off the pizza, right? You order it. You, the, the robot drives to your house. You get a, uh, a text message with a pen number on it. You enter the pen. You open the latch. There's your pizza. Nice and warm. You take it back into your house. And you just got your pizza delivered to you by a robot. Nobody in the car. Nobody anywhere near you. <laughs> like, that's insane. Uh, that is so, insane. Uh, listen, there. I have two thoughts here. Uh the Dosecki's panty has created a situation where human beings would like a little less contact with other human beings. Sure. So it has created a situation where this is it's probably the right time for this particular product. But uh, I'm just saying as someone who is, uh, again, I'm not a Luddite. I am way better at technology than the big man. The big man just could not figure out technology to save his life. He is so old. I am literally the youngest person that exists. I am part of Gen Z and the generation that comes after Gen Z. Alpha, uh, right? In an alpha, it's alpha. Yeah, I'm gen, alpha gen. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, I I'm a child. I'm a baby. This is too much. This is too far. <laughs> I well, want, it's coming, brother. It's coming. I want when I when I order a pizza, I want a pimple faced twenty year old <laughs> listening to Led Zeppelin, who is clearly high. On whatever legal herbal remedies are available in their jurisdiction. That's what I want. Okay? It, it makes you feel good about giving them a big tip because they need yes. it. They need it really bad. <laughs> I, but this but is, look, they've already signed agreements with Walmart. 
CVS, obviously, Kroger, Chipotle, here in the Austin area, they signed back in 2000 with HEB. They, yeah. they look, whether you like it or not, these little robot delivery cars yeah. that, by the way, drive on the regular road, they're they're completely you know what I mean insured. They look like, and they've got the big camera, the Google Street Cam looking thing yeah. on top. This is the future because guess what? And again, this is another industry that has benefited from the Dosakis Pandy we've talked about that probably was 2025 right or something like five years out, and it took this as an opportunity to go. Oh hell no. No, 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 no. We're going to get this out now because people don't want to leave their houses anyway, and we're delivering more pizzas than we ever have anyway. And, and right? people don't want those delivery people to come to their door and hand them something. Absolutely. Everything's right. contactless. I don't, you know, where I live, everything's contactless anyway. If I have pizza delivered to the house, they they set it on, you know what I mean, the front porch. Yeah. I even, They've done it so often now that, that my family started to see they're actually putting down little pieces of cardboard to raise the pizza off yeah. the ground so they're not right. setting it on the ground. The point is, is, is what's different between that and going out to the street and punching in a number and getting it out of the robot and then the robot goes on about its business and right. once if you can get people to buy in on pizza delivery by robot then, then it's they'll definitely else. call heb and get it delivered with robot of course they'll definitely yep, they're gonna call, they're gonna call up heb on their phone right they're gonna dial heb's number and say hey can you deliver salad to my house? Well, they're going to use an app, obviously. <laughs> well, well, and then when it comes to, you're going to get you're going to get McDonald branded, and what? Yeah, how long before these become okay? Your groceries are getting delivered by each HEB, but it's also got a Taco Bell logo on the side of it because they're paying to advertise Taco Bell. Yes. on the side of an HEB, right? Yeah. Um, no, listen, I, 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 this is already happening, right? Um, there are already people buying up small fleets of used vehicles to rent out to Uber, uh, Uber Eats drivers, DoorDash drivers, where they go to car advertisers and these other websites where you can get your car wrapped as an advertisement. And that is, I, I don't think it's the future. I think it's here. Right. The, these robot delivery things are right now. See, now you give me that. I'm going to have to go out and wrap. Five robot delivery things in the yes. big man right logo right. and everything else. You know, maybe we'll buy one for it. We'll have a whole fleet of idiots versus idiots. You know, no, we have something. We, we we already got something else coming here, but <laughs> I, I'm already working on some. But I'm just saying, like this is radical to me, um, and uh, it and we got a story coming next week about how it gets even crazier, right? And I split up these two stories, and in researching the other story that's coming out next week. I found this story and thought, well, this is this is wacky. This is already happening. Well, I think it's an inevitability, not only from a okay a, a technology standpoint, but a cost-effective standpoint. Again, we've talked about how Walmart, all these different places, these retailers, how much, in our opinion, looking into the future, they're going to become more warehouses than they are really nice store because less and less traffic happening. inside. It's right? already happening. Absolutely. We did a story not too long ago after we had made that prediction. Several Walmarts had done that kind of stuff. But you add in these robot fleets, even though it costs them for these robot fleets, grocery stores, Walmarts, they make that money back like this. Right. Not yeah. paying somebody to to drive to deliver that's been right. the big hurdle for delivery services even in inner cities up to this point is it's expensive to pay that 20 year old kid to drive five bags well, of groceries and, to your and, house and the other thing too is 
in a lot of jurisdictions and a lot of places, insuring an 18 to 20-year-old driver is rough. Insuring a 16-year-old driver, because 16-year-olds are probably the pay-wise are the target. This is your first job. You're going to be yeah, a delivery driver. Minimum wage, right? But it's hard yeah. to insure them when they're on the road. So it ends up being a thing where you have to have 21 to 25-year-olds and those people want more money as they should because of why else are you doing this job, right? And these robots are electric. They're not using yeah. gas. That's yeah. a lower cost to these, you know, when you're talking about fleets and stuff like that. So it lowers their cost that they're able to make up. I think you're going to see a future with with these kind of robots where almost every type of delivery is free, right? Included in yeah. the cost of things. There's no additional fee for it because they're not paying that 18-year-old kid. They're not having to deal with that. They just stick it in these machines. These machines are lined outside your local Walmart or HEB or whatever, and right. you just see those 18-year-old kids stuffing these things into the robots, Yeah, and then they're going out, and then you add into it. I'm sure there's some software developer out there already, you know, on just like there are street lights that handle red lights and, and all this stuff, yeah. saying, okay, all right, this has to go in that because it's going to make two stops one at this house and this house yeah. and you know like it's already going right it, listen it, it's, and let me let me see Lito. I, i'm going to combine this with something else that already exists <clears throat> there are already machines that can make hamburgers just as good as a human being can yep. there are already machines that can make pizzas <clears throat> just as good as a human being can we will see very soon a completely automated restaurant that has one employee at it all day that's it I, I I don't doubt it, and I, I think the first ones you'll see if something like that is some kind of fast food, right? A McDonald's will open up in some foreign country that's like, you know, they have two employees. Those employees are, there, are, are not there to help you. They're there to fix the crap that may break down on the machine that's helping you, right? I mean, No, they're just there to oversee the orders, right? right. They're just there to make sure that the orders go into the right vehicles, that the machines are operating correctly. That's it, because... I there I was watching uh, it was a, there, it was a TikTok video that was on on Instagram because I don't have TikTok because I'm an American God bless America. Whatever um, I have TikTok no, and I'm an American. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, I know, but uh, you, you see also this have Texas right up here, Bubba. Yeah, okay. yeah, I know, but you also are injected with microchips. So you know, just saying. Uh, and it was a pizza a, a pizza uh, machine and. They kinked one of the dough. They kinked the dough on. There's four or five dough things sitting there. They kinked the dough on one of it. And the machine recognizes that it was kinked and still lays out a perfect thing of sauce. So I do wow. think that, we, yeah. And it's, it's, so I'm just saying the technology is to a point where, you know, a lot of times when there's a new piece of technology, they may have to roll it out slower because adoption, it's, it's a too much to adopt for the consumer at once. But the Pandy has created a situation where adoption is at an all-time high. And, you know, uh, the big man was telling me about using Zoom and we should do a podcast in 2019 or 2018. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. Right. Yet here we are. <laughs> and everyone uses this godforsaken piece of software that I absolutely hate. That is literal garbage. Hey, but, it works. It works for me. Well, it works for you. Right. But I'm just saying that, you know, the adoption of this thing, the, the rate of adoption is going to be so rapid and that very soon there is going to be, you know, what we believed to be the retail apocalypse could become a situation where smaller convenience stores, like we've talked about GoPuff on this show before, yeah, where there's going to be smaller warehouses to serve smaller, to serve areas because these electric, uh, you know, these small electric delivery vehicles don't have the greatest range. 
that they can and you know listen these things are going to come back they're going to self-park they're going to show up they're going to automatically plug themselves in so they're charging when they're not moving it's going to be wild man. the future is going to be wild uh, you know what? If I was going to decide to go to college in today's world, I don't know why it wouldn't be to, you know, uh, some kind of electrical engineer to learn how to fix these things, right? Like, right. Or, you know, a, the engineers that are designing these things and stuff like that. I mean, right. yeah. that over the next 25, 30 years, right? The maintaining of these kind of fleets, yes. the people that work on them, the people that develop them, the people that put them together, that to me is. And look, this has been this way. Technology is not going to slow down for anybody, right? No. I, I, I don't uh, remember the stat I was looking at a couple of years, but it's something crazy. Like half the people in college over the last 20 years end up in fields that didn't exist while they were in college. Right. That's how fast technology – and I think yeah. it's probably even worse now if I was guessing that stat. Of course, right? yeah. You're, you're in college right now. Maybe you're working on engineering because you think one thing, but you end up in a completely different type of engineering field than you thought – because technology changed. Listen, I was in college, and the concept of like business being done over Facebook was a joke. Right. Like somebody's like, I'm gonna go start a business, and I'm using Facebook to just because you couldn't even buy ads on Facebook yet. Right. Right. And the concept of people using the it like I had an eBay business in college, and my friends thought it was like, oh, that's cute. Right. I was like, exactly. well, you know, I'm like, bro, you make $7.25 an hour working at Subway. Yeah. I put three cell phones on eBay and I make the same thing you do in a week. They're just like, yeah, I mean, but let's say, like, come on, it's like a one time. It's not going to last, right? They have the same approach to internet business that you do to cryptocurrency. Like, yeah, right, that's not going to last. Real people go to an office and have a job. <laughs> and now all of them, all of them, Without fail, hit me up to say, I'm selling essential oils for some multi-level marketing company. Do you want to sign up? And I just go, up yours, club.com. Uh, club.com. But yeah, so I, I again, I think this is just an example of where we're headed. Domino's is a great, I, I think, for this company. Uh, Nero's that's making these, I think Domino's was a great choice. I mean, yeah, everybody the- knows Domino's Pizza. Right, they're very, they're a very forward thinker, and when it comes to technology too, so. absolutely. And 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 so I I I think the first article I read about them partner was in 2019. It was a couple of years ago. Yeah. It was pre, um, Doseki's Pandy, right? It was pre that, and this they were just building Chevy Sparks. Yeah, they were building Chevy Sparks to deliver cars. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, deliver pizzas. Oops. So anyway, I think that's our show this week. Is that right, it? Danny? You have I nothing else it. to complain about? You have nothing I, you to whine about? Not today. Not today. Yeah. Tomorrow, new day, new problems. We'll figure that out. Well, hey, you want to hear something crazy? Uh, according What's to that? my accountant, Microsoft Paint is not a personal finance software, <laughs> so he is not accepting my receipts <laughs> to process my tax returns. So that's a bummer. Yeah, that is a bummer. Uh huh. Anything else, Danny? That's all. Is that the end of your idiocy today? That, well, no, that is just the beginning of my idiocy today. <laughs> just get started. All right, folks. We'll see you next you, time around. You can see it's a beautiful day outside, so I'm going to head out. We'll see you later, folks. Later, man.